I have a title today. The title of my sermon today is The Way God Works. Sometimes. Um, isn't it a curious thing for you, or just, maybe just for me, but I think for all of us, when we stop and think about the way God does things and the way he works, and I think the Christmas story is a really good story to look at to see how God works. And so, um, before Jesus was born, I've summed up all of the history of the world up until the time of Jesus with one line. Things were not good. Right? I mean, what do you know of the story of God's people? Well, Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden. Years go past. There's a flood. God wipes out everybody. Noah and his family survive, are saved. And from that line comes Abraham. And God makes a promise to Abraham that through Abraham's seed, all world, the whole world would be saved. So Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And then uh, Joseph. And he's in Egypt. And the people go to Egypt to be saved. Yet, in Egypt, they become slaves. And they stay there for, I don't know, 400 years or so. And then Moses comes. God sends Moses to uh, save the people again. And he leads them out of Egypt. Um, they're about to be killed. God parts the water. And the people go through on dry land and are saved yet again. Now they're in the desert. And they go to uh, Mount Sinai where Moses climbs the mountain and meets with God, and God gives Moses the law. And Moses comes back down. And while he's gone, the people have made a golden calf to worship instead of the God who is on the mountain where they're at. So God gives the law again to Moses, and then the people wander in the desert for 40 years, and then God takes his people into the promised land. And they have to fight for it, but they get the land of milk and honey. And God is with them, and he is their God, and God is leading his people. And then his people say, thanks God, but we'd rather have a king. So God gives them a king. And then they live under the rule of kings. And, and God is with them through that. And they have some good kings, and they have some bad kings. They win some battles, they lose some battles. Eventually they get taken into captivity again in, in Babylon, and then God eventually frees them from that. And the prophets come, and the prophets tell of Jesus. And of what is going to come, the Messiah, the promised uh, King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one that's coming... And then the Old Testament ends because there's no more prophets. 400 years of no prophets. And what had Judaism become? A lifeless, hopeless, helpless religion. I don't know how many factions there were in, in Judaism at the time of Jesus. At least a dozen, maybe two dozen. 
of groups of people that believe this or believe that, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and all of them that had these ideas and beliefs about what the kingdom of God was like and about God. But Jesus summed it up kind of like this. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. That's the condition the world found itself in. Things were not good. And I don't understand God's timing, but it was God's time to rescue the world. Now, what do you think of rescue? I was watching a, a movie the other day. John Wayne was in it, so of course it was a great movie. It's the movie called The Longest Day. And it has all kinds of famous great actors playing roles in that movie about The Longest Day. And The Longest Day is the movie about D-Day, the day that the Allies all invaded Europe to rescue Europe from the Nazis. And uh, now that's a rescue, right? Planes flying over, uh, people being dropped in behind the lines, coming around this side, and then the main force of the invasion comes and hits Omaha Beach, right? And it's bloody and it's brutal, but people are giving their lives to save the world. Now that's an invasion to save the world, right? That's the way God ought to work. Oh, what did God do? How did he work? So he, he called this Messiah the chief cornerstone. Emmanuel, the mighty one, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the redeemer, <coughs> and the promise that he's coming. And then how does he come? The savior of the world wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, because there wasn't any room in the inn. Um, this is the, rate, the great rescue? The plan God has to save the world comes through a helpless baby? Yep. It's the way God works sometimes, isn't it? A baby in a manger, they had no place to lay his head, there was no room. God works in funny ways, doesn't he? Not just the baby Jesus. There were ordinary people all around the baby Jesus. His mother, Mary. Before Mary became Mary, you know, the, the great holy mother, the, the giver of life to the world... What was Mary before that? A common, ordinary, teenage girl who was promised to be married. That's Mary. Nothing special. She wasn't famous. She wasn't powerful. She wasn't a leader. She was just a girl. When God came and told her all these things, what was her response? She pondered them in her heart. What in the world is going on? I don't know what you would do if you were Mary and God came and told you that you were pregnant and you would say, uh-uh, I don't know much, but I know how that happens and that didn't happen. I can't be pregnant. Yes, you are. 
hmm, I'm pregnant with the Son of God who will be the Savior of all mankind? Yeah, ponder these things in your heart. That's kind of an understatement, don't you think? How about totally blown away? Then her husband-to-be, the carpenter, from a small town and a small tribe and a small country, a carpenter. Um, he was a good man. And when he found out Mary was pregnant, he was going to divorce her, of course. But he was going to do it quietly. Not to put her through the public shame and ridicule that she deserved for being pregnant. But he was a good man. But then God came to him and told him. And he said, okay, I'm in. That was my paraphrase of his words. Um, <clears throat> before that, Mary's cousin, uh, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, Zacharias and Elizabeth, God came to Zacharias and said, you're going to have a son. <laughs> and uh, Zacharias did what most of us would do. He laughed. <laughs> God, have you seen Elizabeth? She's old and barren. No chance. No kids. He laughed. Just an ordinary man. How about the other characters in the uh, scene that we had last week? You know, the little kids came up and there were the shepherds that came. Who were the shepherds? Just blue-collar workers, right? Just ordinary as can be. They're out on the night shift in the sheep fields keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel appears and tells them the good news. And then suddenly, a whole host of angels were there. I've been thinking, I have a question for you. Where did the whole host of angels come from? Did they have far to come? Did they have to travel far to get to be with the shepherds? No. Right? They're here. They're present. Now what was the shepherd's response when they heard the good news from the angels? They didn't laugh. They didn't snicker. They didn't shake their head. Their response was, let's go see. And they left their sheep <laughs> and uh, went to see the baby Jesus. Just ordinary people like you and me. The only people in the whole nativity scene that aren't ordinary are the wise men. And they just have a little bit part, right? I'm coming in from, out of, from far and bringing their gifts and worshiping God. And then they leave again. Um, God works in funny ways, doesn't he? He just uses ordinary people and ordinary things to bring about the rescue of the world. A babe wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. God works in funny ways. But then, it's run for your life. The wise men stop in and tell Herod about it, and Herod gets wind of it. And what does Herod decide to do? Genocide. 
every male child two years and younger, off with his head. And what is God's response? Matthew chapter 2. When they had gone, that's the wise men. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Are you kidding me? Emmanuel, King of kings, Lord of lords, God in the flesh of man. And Joseph has to run off under the cover of darkness and go to Egypt to keep baby Jesus from being killed? In this story, I see we have two options. One is, we can say this is just a joke and it's a pretend. And there's no way that Herod could have killed baby Jesus. He could have, he could have used him as a pincushion, and he wouldn't have died because he's God. He couldn't die. Or <clears throat> we're faced with the reality that Jesus became a man and his life was in danger. And to save the Savior of the world an angel told Joseph to get up from his sleep and run to Egypt and hide. God works in funny ways, doesn't he? Now, interesting about this story, your story is just like this. The difference with your story, it's happening. It's not happened. And so, live in the moment for a moment with me, if you would. You're Mary, and the angel of God appears to you and tells you this story. And you're thinking a thousand thoughts about, oh no. Who's going to believe that I'm the virgin mother? Let alone, can I believe it? Do you think anybody else is going to believe it? Pondered these things in her heart. Yeah, I suppose so. I bet she was scared to death. Do you think Joseph's going to believe it? Do you think my mother and father are going to believe this? Do you think the rabbi is going to believe this? And then Joseph, the angel comes to him and says these things. And then day by day he watches as Mary gets bigger and bigger as the baby grows. My life is over. Right? And then it's time to go to the census and they're on the colt and he's taking Mary to Bethlehem and they get there Mary's getting ready to have this baby. No, it's now. And the innkeeper says, I'm, I don't have a bed. I don't have a room. I don't have a couch. I don't even have a corner of the house for you. I have no place for Mary to have this baby. 
Now let's just say you're Mary. You think you might be freaked out a little bit? Let's say that you're Joseph and you have responsibility for Mary. Do you think you might be freaked out a little bit? See, we look back on this story as history and we know that the whole beauty of it is the baby lying in the manger and the cattle are lowing and we sing a great song about it. Because we know it from history's view. What do you think it was like when Mary's in the barn? What's that breathing technique they do when you're having your baby? I forget how that goes. You know those monkey breathing sounds? And Mary's laying there in the straw making that kind of noise, right? And Joseph's saying, I don't know what to do. There's not even, there's nobody here. It's just me and her. I've never delivered a baby before. Have you, Mary? No, I don't know. The only one who knew what was going on was probably the cow or the goat. They'd done it before, but they weren't much help. In the moment, there's drama. There's trauma. There's excitement, there's anxiety, there's nervousness, there's fear. But when we look back on it, it's a beautiful story. This is the same way your story is. You're in the moment right now. They just told you there's no room in the inn. They just told you 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 can go to the barn. How insignificant would you feel... If as you were getting ready to have your baby and the innkeeper said, no, everybody else here at the inn is more important to me than you are, you can go to the barn with the sheep and the goats. How would you feel at that moment? Right. Is there any wonder that's the way you feel at this moment in your story? The enemy loves to beat us up about how silly we are and how unfaithful we are and how we don't believe and how we become afraid and we don't know what's going on and we cry out to God. And the enemy uses that to our shame. Don't let him shame you. You're living a normal life. The way God works is he requires you to trust him. You see, if God gave you all of the answers and told you how it was going to come out, you would not need faith. You'd know what was going to happen. But just like in the whole birth of Jesus, none of them knew what was going to happen. Imagine you're one of the people that lived in the 400 years who were looking for the Messiah And all of a sudden, the best thing you can say is, uh, anybody heard from God lately? Because it's been 150 years and we haven't had a prophet. It's been 200 years and we haven't had a prophet. It's been 250 years. My grandpa and great-grandpa and great-great-grandpa have never known a prophet. wonder where God's at. Yeah. God is at work today in your life, and in your story. And he is often at work in some very funny ways. When I say funny, I don't mean ha-ha. Right? It's just weird. Yeah, 
The thing is, I don't know what's going to happen this afternoon, tonight, or tomorrow. And quite frankly, at my age, that's a gift from God to not know that. But here's what I do know because of what God has said. Jesus is coming again. I am a new creation. I am alive in Christ. Fully alive. Full of the glory of Christ. I have been given a new heart. I have been given an important position in the kingdom of heaven. As have you. This is not about me. It's about what Christ has done through us and for us. All of us. And so... As we're here in the middle of the story, maybe today is the day of the night when you will be asleep and an angel of God will come to you in a dream and say, get up, run for it. Maybe that's tonight for you. Maybe that was last night for you. Was God with Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus? Every step of the way. Did they have to run to Egypt? Every step of the way. God works in funny ways, doesn't he? Can you imagine what would have happened if Joseph would have been like most of us and got up in the morning and said, Mary, you're not going to believe the dream I had last night. As he fixed breakfast and went to work that day. And as King Herod, armies came and killed baby Jesus. Because Joseph did not hear and did not listen to what God told him to do. You know, there's a group of people... We call them agnostics. Atheists are those who don't believe in God. Agnostics are people who believe in God. They just don't think he has anything to do with them or they can have anything to do with him. And that's a very simplified view of agnosticism. But you know me, I hate to let a Sunday go by where I don't offend people. So I'm about to offend you. And I'm not like most people that say, I don't mean to offend you, and then say something offensive. I mean to offend you by what I'm about to offend you by. Okay? Most Christians are practicing agnostics. We believe God exists, we just don't believe he has much to do with us, or there's anything I can really do about it. I'm on my own here. Most Christians come to church on Sunday to make themselves feel good about, see, I still believe in God. And that's the extent and the depth of their Christianity. And if you're in that camp today, I love you deeply and I hope you are offended by what I just said. Life is too important. The work that Jesus did in us is too meaningful for us to let our enemy reduce us down to practicing Practicing agnostics. Saying that, yeah, 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 I believe in God. And I love God. I serve God. Just don't bother my life with it, okay? I got this covered. and Things are okay. 
I found the right spot. My sin is at a manageable level here. It's okay. Friends, that's a lie from the enemy. You cannot manage your sin. You cannot manage your life. You cannot keep it together. If you could, there'd be no reason for baby Jesus to be in the manger. And there'd be no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. And there would be no reason for the tomb to be empty because Jesus is raised from the dead. If you could keep it together on your own, we wouldn't need Jesus. The point is, you cannot keep it together on your own. You are totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. So, today, this is kind of a cross between a Christmas sermon and a New Year's Eve sermon. The Christmas part of this is to look at the story of Jesus and see the way that God works. Can you believe that a little baby, helpless baby Jesus, that had to be rescued by hiding in Egypt, is the Savior of the world? Can you believe that? Doesn't God work in funny ways? <laughs> so, you can continue to live in a world where God doesn't really have much impact on you. And I hope you don't. I hope you choose this morning if you have not chosen or even if you have, choose again this morning to be aware that God is present. That He is not a long ways off. Out past the end of the universe that the angels had to travel light years to get to the shepherds. No, the angels were here. The angels are here. The Holy Spirit, here. Jesus, all around in me and out of me. God, the Father, is here. God is active in your story. Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, is working in your life today. He is finishing the good work that has been started in you. That you can talk with God and God will talk with you. You can hear His voice. That you can find rest in Jesus and have restoration that you can look to the future with hope because God is there and you can live in the presence with love because God is here and you can learn from the past in faith because God was there And I know it's the new year and it really doesn't mean anything. It's just another day. But it's an opportunity, like every new day, for us to consecrate ourselves to Jesus. To give the year 2019 to God and to His plan. To consecrate yourselves. Now I know many of us, yeah, of course. I did it in 18, I'll do it in 19. God, it's yours. Let's take it a little more seriously consecrate the year 2019 Jesus this is your year in my life 
Jesus, you get to lead in every aspect of my life in 2019. May your kingdom come. May your will be done, Jesus, in 2019. And then ask Jesus, where are we going in 2019? What do I need to know about 2019? If you think he's going to fill in all the blanks for you, keep asking. Maybe he will. I don't know. But I know he's preparing you for 2019. In his funny ways of working. Um, now Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when, when God told him that he was going to have a son, and then he laughed, and then he became mute for nine months, he wasn't able to speak. And uh, maybe that's what God has in store for us in 2019. Maybe. But anyway, um, in Luke chapter 1, this is what uh, Zechariah prayed when he could speak again after John was born. And I want us to pray this together and over each other. Not read it. I'll pray. You pray along with me. First, let's read what he said in Luke chapter 1. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And like I said, I want to pray this with you and over you for today and for the coming year. Um, the Christmas story. It's a beautiful story. The way God sent his son the way God put his son at risk for us. That he would be the king of kings and lord of lords. Mighty counselor. Almighty God. Everlasting father. The prince of peace. Emmanuel. God with us. Now. As we look to 2019. I don't mean to shame you. Coerce you into saying, no, this is it, I'm in, Jesus, I'm with you, all in in 2019. But I do want to make sure you have the, the time and the place and the presence to choose. To intentionally say, how will you live in 2019? I'm on the book of faces. I don't know how much longer I can take it, but I'll go for a while longer. I see so much pain and unbelief and ignorance on Facebook. It would be nice to just say, oh, that's just Facebook. The reality is that's just the, the venue people have to express themselves. 
That's what's going on in our world, and that's what's going on in our churches, and that's what's going on in us. Friends, we have a better option. We can live with the truth. We can be set free. Jesus can continue to do the restorative work that he has begun. That we would be powerful and holy and righteous and loving and forgiving the showers of mercy because of a baby in a manger who grew up to be the savior of the world. So let's, uh, let's pray. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Oh God, we thank you for coming to us. Coming to this world. Coming to your people. That we could be redeemed. Jesus, the price you paid. What you gave for us. That we could be redeemed. We thank you for that redemption. We claim that redemption, Jesus. We are the redeemed. And we say so. Because of what you've done, Jesus. Oh God, you raised up a horn of salvation. Through Jesus Christ. Salvation from our enemies. God, we thank you for this salvation from our enemies. First, we acknowledge that we have enemies. That they mean to do us harm. And we acknowledge Through the power of Jesus Christ, we are saved from our enemies. And so, God, as we think about those who are our enemies, we recognize and claim the salvation that you have brought to us. We do not need to save ourselves from our enemies. You have done it, God. And we thank you for the salvation from our enemies And from the hand of all who hate us. Oh God may we not be so naive to think. That the world is full of goodness. We know the prince of the ruler of the air. And his hate for Jesus. And all of his descendants. And so Father God we acknowledge that we live in a world at war. And that Jesus is our rescuer. That he is the savior of our souls from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And God, we thank you that you have shown mercy to us. The forgiveness of our sins that we have been washed white as snow. Our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And you do not look at us with shame or contempt or disdain. You look at us with a Father's heart of love. As you continue to show your mercies day after day, we thank you, God, and praise you for this salvation and mercy. And Father, we pray that we would remember your holy covenant that you have made about Jesus. That in him we find life and freedom. That he is the restorer of all things. That he is above all things and before and behind all things. And that the covenant that you've made, you keep your promises. And that someday at the renewal of all things, we will be fully restored and face to face in your presence as we reign and rule with Jesus 
for a thousand years. We remember this covenant that you have made. And we take our place in that covenant because you swore an oath. And you have rescued us from the hand of our enemies. Because of all of the work that Jesus has done in us and is continuing to do, we can serve you, God, without fear. Oh, sure, we know we make mistakes and we do things wrong. But we can serve you without fear because of your mercy, because of your forgiveness, because of your compassion, because of your love for us. And so, in 2019, we declare, we proclaim that we will serve you, God, without fear. That we will hear your voice, we will listen to you, and we will do what you tell us to do. With joy and gladness, we will serve you without fear. In holiness and righteousness. Not because of what we've done. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we have been made holy and we are righteous. And Father, we declare that that is true. I am holy because of Jesus Christ. I am righteous because of Jesus Christ. And now as a holy and righteous member of your kingdom. I consecrate 2019 to you Jesus. Everything in my kingdom I bring and give to you Jesus. And pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. In my life and the life of everything in my kingdom. That I would glorify you with all of my being. That I would be faithful and true the way you are faithful and true. That I would have eyes to see the kingdom and to see your glory, Jesus. That I would not be unaware of the enemy's schemes to knock me off track and to get me separated from you. We bring the cross of Christ against unbelief, against doubt, against fear, against anxiety and depression, against control, against anger, against every other sin and every other attack that we are under from the hand of our enemy. And by the power of your name, Jesus, we command your angels to come. To minister to us. To do the work that they are intended to do. To prepare and to protect us. As we do the work of the kingdom. Oh, Jesus. You left the splendor of heaven. And found yourself in a manger. Unable to speak or walk. Or to tell people what to do. You had to be protected. And you were protected by a godly man. And his wife. You were protected because they believed you. And you grew. And were about the things of your father's kingdom. And then. You chose. The cross. You took the death that should have been mine. And you took it as yours. And all of my sin, everything I was guilty of, you took. And you took the penalty of my sin. And you died. Painful, agonizing, lonely death. But then, life where death was. Fully alive, alive forevermore. 
raised in victory, that I can be raised in victory, Jesus. I take my place in your life, in your death, in your resurrection. And Jesus, then you ascended back to the kingdom of heaven where all authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. And I join you in that ascension and that power and glory at your invitation, Jesus. And I serve you in 2019. I give myself fully to you. Lead me where you would lead me. Use me the way you would use me. Glorify yourself through me. Jesus, I don't just pray this for me, but for all of us here. For everyone that's listening and praying along. We love you, Jesus, and we give ourselves to you. Glorify yourself through us in 2019. May we have the words of life. May we share that life with our community and with the world. May we use the gifts that you have given us to minister to our community and the world. May we love the way you love, Jesus, and show mercy the way you show mercy. May we forgive the way you forgive. Jesus, give us this burning desire for your kingdom that we would not let one day go by and be wasted, that we would use it to the glory of your kingdom and do the things that you have prepared in advance for us to do. Jesus, we love you. You are the King of kings. And we serve you willingly and out of the joy that's in our heart and our lives. We give ourselves, use us, Jesus, in 2019 to your glory. We pray it in your name. Amen.